This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Well, welcome back to our special summer series for the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited you're here today. We have important ground to cover. We're in a summer series of conversations we need to have around some important cultural issues today. And as we go there, as we dive in deep, I pray this is a blessing to you and to your team. I pray it gives you handles for the day in which we're leading. You know, we have come to a great awareness that it is not 2019 anymore. If you have asked yourself questions like, why do things not feel the way they used to feel? Why is church life different? Why does the stuff I hear people fighting about on social media matter to me? Our goal is to show you why and to help you embrace our collective responsibility to pastor people to build healthy churches uh, that our world desperately needs in this hour. So I'm praying that today's conversation is helpful, and we're going to talk about some big topics today. So uh, buckle up and join us for this. Um, As we do, I want to remind you, we have a course on Leading Second Plus called Uncommon, and I would specifically highlight today the session out of Uncommon called The Kingdom-Centered Leader. It's a session in a course that we designed to help you raise up leaders who can last and go the distance in this season. And the idea behind the kingdom-centered leader is that Jesus' you know, primary message was the kingdom of God. And we desperately need leaders who live and, and model uh, the kingdom of God, live with a biblical kingdom worldview, uh, rather than uh, by the ways of the kingdom of this world. I Pray that that session and that series can be a help to you. I invite you to check out leadingsecondplus.com. Sign up for a free subscription. Check out the other courses we have on there. And I pray that helps you in your leadership development efforts. Well, hey, Pastor uh, Jason Warman from Coast Life Church in Venice, Florida, and Pastor Joshua Bingle from Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington, are back with me today, two brilliant friends who are great students of the topics we're, we're covering and are great pastors, faithful pastors. Uh, we're mid-conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, I invite you to go back and check that out. We're going to dive straight into our conversation, continuing part one, headed into part two. I pray this helps you today. Hey, so let me introduce this idea to you guys. Would you agree with me that definitions matter? Definitions matter because in in this colliding of kingdoms, we can end up using the same word that means two totally different things. I, I'm going to push push back on one right now, and I, I'd love to explore a couple, but I'm going to push back on one. I'm seeing, if I can just call it out, I am seeing a trend for pastors to want to talk about deconstruction and want to do it in kind of a trendy way. So I've seen this idea argued that not all deconstruction is bad. 
And I get what they're saying. What they're saying is it's okay to ask questions. And I agree that it's okay to ask questions. I think the Bible can stand up to our questions. But Jason, I think you just nailed it. The reason that top, the reason that like title is so harmful, in my opinion, is it's pulling a word that has meaning in a different ecosystem and it's using it because again, you just asked the question, what authority is your deconstruction built on? If you're if you're taking God's word as authority, absolutely ask every question yeah. you can on the authority of scripture and scripture will hold up to your questions. But if you're doing so from a different kingdom and from a different worldview, I guess it's dangerous to, to use words without defining their meaning. And so don't we do this, right? We use the word love, but the two colliding kingdoms mean different things. We use the word justice, but the two mean different things. Would, would either of you have something to say about that? Because I feel like definitions really matter right now in our conversation. We're on this, uh, you know, talking about critical theory. So language is a power, is one of those power constructs. The fact that, um, that words have a definition, believe it or not, I, I'm getting into stuff that it, we would have to do like two more episodes to fully unpack, but believe it or not, like this is one of the, this is one of the tenets of postmodernism, the power of language, uh, the meaning of language is eroded. Meaning is derived from the understanding of the hearer, not the intent of the speaker. So if you wanted wanted to tear society down, what would be be one of the ways that you could do that? Well, it just, it's deconstruction. You you deconstruct language so that words have no meaning. And then you are, if words have no meaning, then you can never arrive at truth. And so that's, that's the problem with like, that I have with, with the term deconstruction is deconstruction is critical theory itself. Because no one has a definition of it. It means whatever it want, what you want it to mean, which is critical right. theory. They, that is critical theory. And words have meanings. We're, and, or if we're ever going to get to a place that, that, that there is truth, then words have to have meaning. And the world that we live in now, tr- the, the meaning of a word is not what the speaker intended. It's what the hearer wants to understand. And so if mm-hmm. somebody wants to understand something, then they will just understand it. And it erodes all sense of meaning and purpose and truth. And so that's, that's the, the deconstruction narrative is like, okay, we're, we're not deconstructors. I love Nathan Finocchi on this. He's like, we're not deconstructors. We're reformers. Sure. There, there right, might yeah. be stuff. There might be extra biblical stuff. Like I grew up holiness Pentecostal. Nobody's got more extra stuff than I had growing up. I promise <laughs> you that. Like, like we, we were extra to extra times 10. So I had to go on a reformation. I didn't deconstruct my faith. I reformed right. to a, to align more with what the Bible says. And that, that's the journey. I hope people will realize that that word, that words have to have meaning. If they don't have meaning, then we will never be able to understand the truth. And Jesus is the word. Hello. Yeah. So I'd like to get into one angle of this with you guys for a few minutes and see what you have to say. I mean, one of the ways this is applied And I think is, at least right now, probably the loudest in our culture is gender ideology, sexuality. You know, these these episodes are coming out right after Pride Month. You know, um, as we're recording this, everyone's boycotting Target. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so um, I don't know where we go from here after this, but but our our culture right now is having a very loud conversation about about gender and sexuality. And I think pastors are struggling to know when to weigh in, where to weigh in. Um, I would just love to talk about this for a minute, and I'd love to hear, you know, we, we've already said it a little bit with with critical theory, but just say it again. Um, what's the problem? Why, why, why should this conversation, the trans conversation, you know, talking about the LGBT community, like, why should this matter to pastors right now? The, the gender conversation, the um, human sexuality conversation, like all, all of these conversations, like the world, the world is, is seeing that they've been conditioned to blur boundaries. So that's, that's one of the tenets of critical theory is let's blur all the boundaries because there is no truth. There can be no defined truth. There can be no boundaries. Right. And obviously, like we know that the, the Bible, I love this phrase. I, I'm borrowing it. I've, I've heard it from several places. One of those being Pastor Josh Bingle. Uh, the Bible is optimal for human flourishing. Like, why, why would we leave people in Egypt? Why, why would we leave them stuck in that? And then pastorally, pastorally, I think there's a lot of apprehension, like, man, if I get into these hot button issues, you know, what's, what's going to be the kickback? And, you know, like I, Josh and I, we, we've all stepped into this stuff head on. And, you know, my experience is that people are relieved when they hear me talk about it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a weight they don't know they're carrying. And when they hear a wow. pastor, it, it's, a, it's a burden, like it's a concern. And, and it, they're picking it up in the world. And when they just hear a pastor speak truth, like, you, like we have already stated, truth and love. We, we, we speak the truth in love. It's like taking it's like taking a burden off of them. Like, man, I'm mm. I'm not crazy. This is actually what God's word wow. says. I think that's the power of it. So, as a as a parent of a preteen girl, this has become really personal to us. You know how and when we lead conversations with our daughter. You know the sex talk isn't just a one-time event like it was when we were growing up. You know, we had one awkward conversation with our parents and then we go out to ice cream with them afterwards and it's all good, you know, and now it's, it's like this multifaceted conversation of you talk about that, but then you have to have the same sex attraction conversation. And then we have the gender conversation. And we actually did that the other night. Um, we felt like it was time with how loudly this is being talked about. Uh, we felt like it was time to talk to our daughter about, about what people say when they say I'm trans. And um, it was an extremely uncomfortable conversation. I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was the most uncomfortable of the three that we had. Um, It felt unnatural to her hearing it, you know, innocently. It was, it was horrible to have to introduce an idea that was that unnatural, you know, to an 11 year old girl, but we did it. Our, our kind of guiding, philosophy has been as parents, we want her to hear this stuff from us, not from culture. And if, if she is, which we, there was a couple reasons why we felt like this was maybe she was maybe going to hear about it. Um, we just felt like we, we wanted to be the first. And that was actually something we did that helped give her some peace as we said, listen, we wanted you to hear this from us first. And you can come to us with any question you ever have 
and we are here. And um, it felt so imperfect and even clumsy. But I'm just offering that to parents in terms of of when and how to have these conversations. Every parent has to use incredible wisdom on this right now. But wouldn't you guys both agree parents have a responsibility to lead these conversations with our kids and with our families? And it's a very unique, pressing challenge right now. It's different from than how maybe we were raised. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I... I want to keep taking it back to um, how uh, my kids are not that age, but we have kids that age in our church and we have high school students and college students. And um, even the point of these episodes is we want part of the aim is to show you how and method and keep reminding you that you might say all of the right things and all of the right words. But if you don't understand where your student is coming from, what worldview they're coming from, they're baptized into. And that the minute you say something, there's automatic skepticism. You know, this is not a worldview thing. It's a teenager thing. There's automatic skepticism, you know, because my parents said it, Uh, at least a certain measure of skepticism. Add that to the fact that they have been taught to question authority, not because, you know, it's punk rock, but because authority is literally immoral. Structure. Yeah. Yeah. It is immoral to hold power over someone. So all of these dynamics are, are in play when you're having these. So I think that's why we have to keep going back to those two things, eyes and ears, is we have to keep going back to the order of the world. We have to go back to the truth of scripture and it might, you might feel like you're banging, you know, on this gong, but to keep returning it back there to, um, this is just the way that the kingdom is, you know, Jesus was constantly, this is the, part of the good news is this is not a new phenomenon because Jesus was like, you've heard it said, but I say, you've heard it said, but I say literally his whole first sermon, the Beatitudes was basically unwinding wow, what they yeah. thought was true. Yeah. That's he And so we have precedent for it. And so I would just, I would encourage anyone listening. Yes, I think parents have to lead these. Yes, youth pastors are absolute legends right now and children's pastors. But, but maybe the best thing you can do, you don't have to feel like you're just banging the drum on sexuality. You can, that's a surface, that is a symptom of the deeper root issue. Very good. And so you can play whack-a-mole on the, you know, the trans conversation and it's attraction and then it's going to be race. And then, you know, it's going to be, you know, here's me sounding like my tinfoil hat and it's going to be AI. And what does it mean to image God? And you, and you can play whack-a-mole all day long, or you can just keep running the same play. Our family has run for 2000 years and reassert the authority of scripture and reassert the goodness of God, reassert the integrity of the word. Um, and, and you will, you will do, you will not only, um, um, sharpen the ax to cut the tree down faster. You will also lay foundations for future conversations that we, we don't even know are coming, but we can do the work now. And, and, and that was, that was the 2020 story, right? That, that, the, the winds came and the, you know, the streams rose and the house blew over part, a lot due to foundation issues. I've heard you talk a lot about mm-hmm. that. Josh, that we, we mm-hmm. just didn't have the foundation. 
or people didn't have that foundation in their lives. And so it took a lot of, a lot of good people out, I think is why that season was so painful. A lot of people we loved in our churches, but we had different foundations going and, um, we didn't realize it. Thank you for taking us back to that place. Hey, this is Clark from the Leading Second team. Before we jump back into the episode, I wanted to share a quick testimony from our Leading Second coaching groups. Let's check this out. My name is Jeremy DeFries, and I'm on the lead team here at my church, Centerpoint Church, which is in Boise, Idaho. Leading Second coaching groups has been a game changer for me. It's changed so much in my life, in my church, in the last year that I've been a part of it. I think if you've been around in ministry for any period of time, you're going to know and realize that ministry can feel lonely at times. It can feel like you're a little bit isolated or maybe on an island trying to accomplish what God has put in your heart to do through the local church. And and leading second coaching groups has eliminated that feeling of loneliness in my calling. Uh, before I, I took the coaching groups, I... I felt like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I, I just don't see a breakthrough in the horizon for me. I've been at the same church for nearly 15 years, and I just wish we could hit some new growth and some new momentum. And so it was so awesome to be able to join coaching groups and, and immediately be surrounded by this awesome community of solid, like-minded leaders. Uh, the teaching, every time we got on a, a call for coaching groups and when we went to the summit in Phoenix, I was so inspired. I walked away with real, tangible, practical inspiration and encouragement, not just some emotional high that, that only satisfied for a minute, but it was really lasting encouragement, practical application that I was able to go put some work in, uh, get around other leaders and strategize and brainstorm and be inspired by them. I actually feel now like I have a tribe of people around me uh, who, who understand the way I think and, and I understand the way they think and I can call them anytime when I need help or a new idea. And so I just want to encourage you, take the step, make the investment. You're not going to be disappointed. Get, grab other people on your team and, and get them involved in this as well because you're truly going to walk away better and you're going to feel inspired and encouraged and you're, you're not going to feel lonely in your calling any longer. If you want to learn more, you can visit leadingsecond.com. Applications close August 23rd. Spots are limited, so apply today. And now let's jump back into the episode. Let me ask you this. Should should Christians boycott? This will be a fun question. Ha. <laughs> Everyone's boycotting Target today. Of course, but but Bud Light, we got out of that one. That's not super applicable to our profession. Um, <laughs> you know, but but here we are, here we are with um Target. Lord only knows what it'll be by the time this thing comes out. Um, what do you think? It's about to be Chick-fil-A. I think you I think you got to run with your conviction. I mean, tell me I'm wrong, Jay. We can disagree here. I think you got to run with your conviction. If you are convicted about it and you don't listen to that, then that's sin. And if you don't have a conviction about it, um I would carefully consider, but uh, honestly, I don't have a conviction about boycotting Target. I don't go to Target really. So I don't have but I, I don't have a conviction about that. I understand why people do. Praise God. I think it's sick and twisted and evil, some of the things that they're doing. Um, but there's, there have been other things that I've been like, nope, we ain't doing that. 
we're not going to play that game. You know, we did the, the, we've basically in our house, I don't know if you want to get into what different things we've boycotted or you're trying to keep it just general principles, but it's like anything on Disney plus pre year 2000 is fair game. Go for it. Play around, do your thing. After that, it's like, we're going to be checking some stuff. Um, so I think there's wisdom in that. I don't begrudge people who do boycott. I would, if I was pastoring someone through it, I would caution them from, um, unless they felt it was necessary to say something, I would caution them from being the Pharisee who's standing on the corner going, at least I'm not a filthy sinner like that guy. And, you know, the Jesus is like, well, you got your reward. Everybody thinks you're awesome. Um, so I think how you do it is important. I don't know if that's helpful at all. No, I, I think it's a personal conviction issue. I, I agree on the conviction issue. Um, I'm going to go full crazy here and do it. Lose this is my favorite lose, version of you. Full crazy. Everybody. Uh, but I'm just going to go ahead and bring up the Antichrist. Uh, because there is, there is, an, there is an Antichrist, anti-church spirit. Yes, and, yes. And, it, and it's not just a, a well-dressed European man that's coming in the future. It's a spirit that's prevalent in the, in the world. Today. That's right. And the Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit, wants to control government, wants to create a false religion, and wants control of the economy. And so I really do believe we need to stop bankrolling our enemy. I really do believe we need to stop bankrolling the thing that's trying to destroy the church, get authority, and overcome the church. Now, how that looks in your life, because I went on this journey, like I was like, I'm tired of investing into things that like just go completely against my values and what I'm trying to build in the world today. And so like I end up, you know, I'm I'm a pastor of a church all the time. I I buy a lot of clothes and I'm like, I'm going to find a clothing manufacturer that isn't woke. And basically it came down to, I can wear church merch and hunting attire. That's basically (laughs) what I can wear. And then I posted that on social media. Some people sent me some other resources. I know I'm looking into all of that. So I'm not, I'm not going to be legalistic about it. Like if there's, if there's a Starbucks and there's no other coffee, I'm grabbing, I'm grabbing Starbucks. Like I'm not, I'm not legalistic. If there's a woke coffee shop, I'm not getting a caffeine headache. I'm going to go buy my coffee. But if I'm literally trying to make conscious decisions, and I think this is an N.T. Wright thing from uh, his books. I think it's surprised by hope is like Christians has to use their conviction of where, where am I going to invest my money? Because that's, that's the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast says, if you don't align with us, you can't do business with us. Right. Right. Yeah. And right now, we right now the greatest power we have is the power of choice. Um, we get to choose how we want to interact with the market, and like boycotts. I think it's an effective way. I think back in the day, I remember in the '90s when when Disney did. I think it was '90s when Disney did their first like. It wasn't pride back then, but it was like their first like type pride type of thing. And the conservative Christians like were boycotting Disney and everybody's like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are stupid. And I look back at it now, like maybe we should have got together on some of that stuff. You know, maybe we could have pumped the brakes. 
breaks on that because it's our money. It's, it's God's money. It's the Lord's money that he's blessed us with. And I think we do need to be conscientious of what we are, what we are supporting, what we're investing in, because it's not just on the bottom. Boycotting is on the bottom end. At the top end is something I'm not super familiar with, but I think it's a phrase that everybody needs to know. And that's rainbow capitalism. And that is large investment firms are using the power of their money to force values on companies. And you're like, well, Target is pushing that. No, Target's investors are pushing that. And I think we need, I think, woke to woke. I think that's one of the things that we need to get awakened to. And we need to use our voice, our influence as the church. And we need to push back because ultimately it is an anti-Christ, anti-church spirit that wants to war against the church. And the church is the battleground of the kingdom of God. We We need to push back. So something I'd want to offer that I gather a lot from Daniel in Babylon is that we are not better than we are different from. Yeah. And we, we say that a lot in leading second, just to arm leaders with the desire. It's, it's okay to be different from where our mm-hmm. distinction is our ability to be salt and light. And, you know, I don't know that I'm here for every, every, every angry Instagram rant about it. I think in some ways we can just sound a lot like the world yelling, totally. making a lot of noise. Your Christian virtue. Yeah. I chose mm-hmm. recently to speak up about Target, not because I'm particularly passionate about Target. I did have a conviction around this one, but mm-hmm. I I actually wanted to also just show people a measured response. Like, like, like we can actually think through things. We just don't have to completely emotionally react without fact checking, without looking at stuff. We can actually take time. I I love the thought that Jesus didn't react. He responded. I love that thought. And I think we need more responding from Christians right now than reacting, I guess was, was my thought that, that let's do, let, let's, let's walk through something and show people a measured, like thoughtful response here. And and how to lead and not just make more noise. I don't think we need more yeah. noise. I think in that the da- the danger when you're under attack is you circle the wagons. And I think I think if we're not careful, we close off the church to the people we need to be open to. Mm-hmm. And how how we navigate that, I don't think it's going to be super simple. I think the Holy Spirit will give us some guidance on it. But that's my like I, I'm. I'm I'm trying to be vocal. I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to be courageous for the people. But at the same time, I don't want to create this like, okay, we got to circle the wagons, like get it, get everybody out. No, we we're here for the world. God, God put us here. <laughs> I love what Very good. Josh, Josh said. We're missionaries in this world. hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Let's land the plane on this thought. How is this moment? an opportunity for the gospel? Uh, I would say this moment is an opportunity for the gospel because we haven't had a moment in the American church in maybe a hundred years where the gospel was so counter to the prevailing cultural narratives. Like it, it's not like um, this is the first time America's ever been like this. America's been here many times. And we just have the view from like the 1950s on, which is, you know, the, the golden era in a lot of ways. Um, don't email me. We know that bad stuff happened too. Okay, Karen, calm down. 
Um, but it was the, the golden age. But I mean, if you go back to the twenties, like in ni- even the 1920s, that's where you get, you know, all those nihilist, um, uh, artists and that's, you know, Hemingway and Fitzgerald and like everything was nihilist. Everything sucked. Everything was awful. And so the, the gospel has the power, has the ability to, um, permeate that in really compelling ways. I think in some ways it's easier for us, um, because it's really, it's much easier to spot opportunities because they are in such stark contrast to the truth of the word. Whereas maybe 30 years ago, evangelism might've been easier in some ways, but you'd, you didn't really know if someone was a Christian or not. There's a lot of cultural kind of stuff now, like, especially on the West coast, if you call yourself a Christian and are part, an active part of a church, that means something that costs you. You are a psycho. Like it's not, it's not even so much that it's like you're backwards and oppressive. It's just so irrelevant to people's lives and world that like it's, so I think the opportunity for the gospel, if you as um, team leaders and second chair leaders, and if you have the chance to preach, if you can wrap your brain around those two things that we, that we talked about, about the eyes and the ears, like you, you are going to set yourself apart as a, as a preacher of the word, just because you will be preaching in ways that are compelling to people. I think Dallas Willard said the power of Jesus preaching is not that he said, follow me or you'll go to hell. The power of Jesus preaching was that he had the most compelling answers to life's deepest questions. And people came to the conclusion, I would be a fool if I don't do what he said. And we have compelling answers to the deep questions that, that this other counter ideology does not want to try and answer. It doesn't want to answer, where do you come from? It doesn't want to answer, what is the meaning of life? It doesn't want to because it has horrible answers for those. And, and woefully anemic answers. And we have powerful, robust answers to the deep questions of life. And so keep going there. This is an unprecedented opportunity. And the, the, the field is white for harvest, baby. I'm so glad you asked that question. Going to make me into an evangelist yet. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. I think counter, I think cultural Christianity is going away. Like the, there, there's just no, there's no space for it anymore. And that's why I like people say we're losing churches and I'm like, no, uh, we're not, we're not losing ground. We're gaining identity. There's a lot of churches that already fell away a long time ago. This is just, it's just getting clear on who, who, what a church is and what Christians are today. And I think the power of the gospel is, you know, I think the game plan for the church has been high compassion, high empathy. And I think we need to present a different, like, I I think we still need to have compassion. Please hear me. But I think one of the strongest plays we have right now is we need to develop different evangelistic strategies. And I just have this idea that we have uh, the, we have the gospel of reason. Like, we, Mm. we, we make sense. We 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 line up with biology, and I think that we make sense. I think you need to put that in your lobby instead of welcome home. You need to say we make sense. (laughs) I think I think the gospel of reason, like yeah, I think think Paul would go to Mars Hill and he would reason, and I think we need to go to our Mars Hill and we need to reason with people. That's why I think these conversations are so important. We can't stay away from them. We have. 
We're, we're humble vessels. We're certainly flawed vessels, but we have the wisdom of God. We have the knowledge of God because we have the word of God. And we need to, we need to work reason in as an evangelistic strategy, because I believe it makes sense to people. So good. So good. Well, here's the deal, guys. We're not done. We're going to continue this conversation. We have more territory uh, we want to cover, but for today, we're going to land the plane. Thank you both for your wisdom, for your perspective, and your love for Jesus and his church and the gospel, and we pray this has helped leaders today um, to grab some handles during very important times in which you are leading. Well, I'm so thankful that you've joined us for these conversations so far. We are back next week with part three. Uh, We have a special guest joining us next week, and it's going to be an incredibly insightful episode for you that I pray um, you'll join us for. If these episodes can be a blessing to your team, head to leadingsecond.com slash podcast and download the episode guide and consider using this with your team. Uh, may this spark some important conversations for you and your team that we might build healthy, thriving, life-giving churches that our world desperately needs in this hour. So leading second, we love you. So thankful for each and every one of you. Until we talk again, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. God bless you. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.